Hello and welcome to Kingdom's Cornerstone News, the first newscast specifically for citizens of the kingdom that will have no end, a kingdom even now in our midst. I'm Jamie Keeper. Today is Tuesday, November 9th, 2021. The Hill is reporting the gang who kidnapped 17 missionaries of American and Canadian descent in Haiti have shown U.S. officials proof the missionaries are still alive, according to an unnamed senior Biden administration official. 16 Americans and one Canadian were kidnapped by the 400 Muazo gang in an area east of Port-au-Prince, the capital of Haiti. They were just leaving the orphanage and were on their way to an airport Saturday, October 16th. The group is demanding $1 million per person for their release. One missionary familiar with the situation told reporters she's hopeful for a positive outcome, but even if that's not the case, God is sovereign and Christ is coming back. I can speak for myself and I know for my brothers and sisters that even though it's painful and it, it, it provokes us to tears, that our friends or relatives or dear brothers and sisters um, are suffering right now in a very real physical, emotional, mental way. It is comforting to us that we can bring these heavy burdens to the God that we worship, truly trusting in our hearts that he cares, he sees, he hears them, and that he can be moved with compassion to act on their behalf. And so we can believe and ask him uh, that he would do something miraculous and powerful to deliver them from the men who have taken them captive. And yet knowing, keeping it open that if he chooses to allow them to all die, that, that that's okay. That we believe one day when he comes back, he will raise to life those who were, who were faithful to him. Christian Aid Ministries said the kidnapped group included seven women, five men, and five kids, including a two-year-old child. News out of Frontier Alliance International as three Iranian Christians currently detained inside Iran's infamous Evan prison managed to disseminate an open letter to the public. The letter accuses the Iranian regime of a litany of abuse and injustices against fellow believers in gross violation of Article 13 of the Iranian Republic's 1979 Constitution. Now, Article 13 of the Iranian Republic's Constitution guarantees Iranian Christians the right to gather for worship. We'll be sure to include a link to the article, which itself links to several other articles to include that open letter, which you will need to have translated. Now, two of the prisoners were arrested in 2019 and later sentenced to five years in prison for acting against the security of the country by forming a house church and propagating evangelical and Zionist Christianity. The third prisoner was jailed in 2016 on similar charges of Zionist Christianity and later received additional sentencing for propaganda crimes against the Iranian regime. Few of us here in the West can understand what it means to be persecuted, truly persecuted, running for your lives type of persecution. And while what's going on in Afghanistan and the Middle East gets a lot of media and attention, that's not the only place people are dying because of their religious beliefs or nationalities. In Africa, an estimated 4,000 people have fled this week amid mounting violence in the eastern provinces of the Democratic Republic of Congo. Local militias, rebel groups, even the country's military have been wreaking havoc in the area, which has been a hotbed for militant activity since the Rwandan genocide spilled across the border 27 
years ago. Calling in today to talk about this is Adam Welch. He's the founder and director of Preparing a Place Ministries, a missions organization focused on spreading the gospel, planting churches, and caring for orphans and the impoverished in the world's most poorest and difficult places. Adam, thank you for calling in. Thank you, James. It's a pleasure to be here. Talk to us, if you would, about the current situation in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Yeah, this is a complicated situation, and uh, really it's like a bunch of wicks were lit on fire at the same time, and they reached the dynamite at the same time. And it, it goes back to the 90s uh, with uh, the despot Mobutu Sese Seko, who was the president of the Congo at that time in the 1994 Rwanda genocide that spilled over into Eastern Democratic Republic of Congo. And decades of ethnic tension and rebel groups and the riches of the earth and minerals and timber and, and various goods that the world has tried to exploit. And so there's a bunch of different things that have been happening uh, there. And even with uh, after the uh, Rwanda genocide, uh, and Paul Kagame, when he took over the presidency in Rwanda, he ended up uh, doing reprisal attacks. And he was uh, scared of the uh, Hutu militia and the Interahamwe and other various groups um, since the international community was not coming in and uh, driving those and, and tearing those groups apart. Um, he went into Congo with the RPF, the Rwanda Patriotic Front, and um, started attacking them. And then after that, uh, it led to um, different individuals and generals and, and lots of different fighting and bloodshed. And it, it, this amalgamation of, of various interests and different uh, purposes started happening in the Eastern Democratic Republic of Congo, where there is not much governance where there's lots of poverty and it is outside of the watchful eye of the world. And so uh, with his attacks over there uh, from Rwanda, uh, there, there's this community um, who, who centuries ago did migrate from the east and who have a similar uh, native tongue or mother tongue called the Banyu Malingi. And because of Rwanda's um, devastating attacks and different things in Congo and even them stealing the wealth of Congo and bringing it into Rwanda, uh, that this community, the Bani Malingi, oftentimes is associated and they're called Rwandans. So the other Congolese groups um, attack them and do reprisal attacks and try to destroy them, uh, saying that they are a proxy of Rwanda and Paul Gagame when it couldn't be further from the truth. So that is a little bit of the background uh, of what's happening right now. And then also this, this tribe is a Christian uh, tribe. The majority of them are Christians. If you meet many of the males, the older males in the tribe, uh, many of them are pastors and uh, from a, a, a massive revival that happened there in the 1950s and into the 1960s. And so these other tribes uh, are not Christian. And so there's a, there's a distinct religious persecution happening there as well. But it's a complicated uh, scenario uh, and a horrible one. Why hasn't the international community got involved? And why isn't this getting more media attention? Yeah, that's a good question, James. Um, 
One of it is just uh, geopolitics that, uh, you know, for countries like America, it's not a strategic location for them. Uh, it's in the heart of Africa. It's in the middle of the bush. Um, there, it's a difficult place to get to. There's mountains, there's lakes, there's very, very little infrastructure. Uh, the Congo has been the poorest country in the world the last 25 years until uh, recently that Burundi uh, took over that, its neighbor. Um, and, and so it's for this reason. And then also a lot of different uh, companies, international companies and governments even benefit from the conflict. They benefit from being able to uh, rake the land with minerals and getting them cheap um, and, and being able to take those to neighboring countries and, and sell them as if they're their own. And uh, so they benefit. Many people benefit from this, but also it's because it's, it's kind of in the middle of nowhere, as they say. And uh, it's a minority tribe. This Banya Malingi tribe is a minority tribe in Congo. And so because it's outside of the watchful eye and because lawlessness abounds in eastern Congo, these are some of the reasons why the international community is not hearing or seeing this. What is your ministry doing in the area? Yeah, we've worked long term in the area with uh, with various groups and currently related to the ethnic cleansing that's happening, uh, we have different programs uh, in uh, South Kivu province uh, that we're working in. And we have uh, teams and colleagues who live in South Kivu uh, province. I myself travel in and out of the region uh, frequently. And we are do uh, sending rescue teams into the bush there, over the last four years, there have been many attacks. I'm talking villages burnt to the ground. And these people are cattle ranchers. Uh, they, they do not have weapons. They do not have vehicles. And these militias and even the uh, FARDC uh, are coming with rocket-propelled grenades and machine guns, assault rifles, and they're heavily armed. And so as these communities are being bombed and shot and uh, and having things burnt to the ground, they're fleeing uh, in the bush and over the mountains and having to swim rivers and this type of thing. It's just a horrible, horrific scene. And so our teams um, will take trucks into the region. Uh, there aren't really roads. It's difficult terrain. So they'll, they'll take trucks into the region and they'll go do search and rescue in the bush they will buy malaria medicine and have that in stock to give to people because they're they're in what's called the high plateau in the mountains and often when they're running and fleeing they're they're going down into the valley uh to to find safety and uh they're getting you know bitten by mosquitoes that have malaria and dying from that and then um, also bringing emergency food aid cooking utensils, and then uh, taking them from the danger zone and, and transporting them to a place of safety, uh, getting them medical care. Uh, so a number of different things uh, that our teams are doing uh, in the region. And, and our teams uh, speak all the local languages, so it helps with um, finding people and being uh, a voice and, and helping, helping them get out of the danger zone and flee from being killed. How can people in the West help? The first thing is prayer. I believe God is a God of justice, and, and I believe that, that God hears our prayers. And so just uh, 
pouring uh, the bowls of heaven, filling those bowls up with intercession is such a big deal uh, that the the foundation of Jesus's throne is justice and righteousness. So that is a a huge, huge piece of it. Also donating money. Uh, Our organization, uh, all of the money, we don't have overhead uh, for the organization there with this uh, endeavor. And so we need funding for malaria medicine and for food and for fuel and for uh, buying blankets and stuff to help these victims. And then also uh, we have information on our website and we're putting up more information about contacting. If you're in the U.S., contacting your representatives, contacting your governors or your governor, senators, congressmen and putting pressure on them. There are uh, different U.S. politicians right now who have heard Uh, about what's happening in South Kivu province in uh, eastern Congo, and it's sitting on their desk. But oftentimes with politics, if there's not pressure, there's not multiple people talking about this and bringing up, it gets bypassed and and other issues are then on the table. So contacting your representatives, and we have scripts and different things that you can call in or write into them and uh, let your voice be heard and let them know that there is an ethnic cleansing happening in eastern congo in our day and in our hour and there's hate speech and propaganda and literally these different groups are trying to wipe this tribe off of the planet and they're getting close to doing it so please get involved in any way that you can Adam Welch, founder and director of Preparing a Place Ministries. Thank you so much for all this information and for what you're doing. I'll be sure to link to your organization in the description of this video. I'd love to keep in touch and, uh, and I'd love to keep in touch about this and have you back on in the future. Thank you, James. Appreciate the time. In the description of this video, there's a link to a letter recently sent to the United Nations Secretary General. Please. Take the time to read it and become informed on this important issue. My prayer is some of you will use this to contact U.S. government officials and bring this to their attention. Now, there is an appropriations bill which passed the House and is now awaiting a vote in the Senate. This bill specifically directs the State Department to investigate what's happening to the Banya Malingi and ensure U.S. aid goes to assist them and other similar minorities. Ladies and gentlemen, I can't tell you how incredibly blessed I am to have the opportunity to meet and interview incredible people seeking and serving the Lord, living out their faith. Oftentimes, when the camera stops recording on these interviews, there are offline conversations that happen, and I find out more information I'm compelled to bring to your attention. Well, this interview with Adam Welch is a glaring example of that. While thanking him for taking time to do the interview, we got to talking and I expressed how surprised I was when first starting this show because a lot of ministries, ministries I've been financially supporting for years, simply don't have the time to come on the show and share about their ministries. But what Adam told me next is nothing short of divine. He explained his wife had been given a prophetic dream and shortly afterwards he was given the interpretation. He preached on it and sent me the video, and I'd like to share a short clip from it with you now. The link to the entire video will be in the description, but here is the interpretation of the dream his wife had, which was set in the context of the Titanic and its eventual demise. Let's take a look. And as I'm in the church building, I get 
a download of the interpretation of the dream. And that's not something that happens to me all the time. It's very rare. I'm not one that just gets downloads all the time with prophetic things like that. Many times they're, they're played out or I'll walk them out and then God will reveal it or I'll understand what happened. But this one, I, I got the download. I got the Daniel download. I got the Joseph download. I got the, the Joseph, the husband of Mary download in this dream. And God starts telling me what all of these symbols are and what it represents as I'm there in our mega church. And he tells me, he says the Titanic is the industrialized commercial church. And he says the lifeboats that held 12 people in them are small groups, discipleship groups, and home fellowships who have Jesus at the center and who are making disciples. And I knew that the, the number 12 represented because of the model of Jesus. And that's not a rigid number. It's just showing us that. And that the people in the ballroom and the banqueting house were people at the heads of networks and denominations and churches who didn't heed the warning and couldn't hear what the Spirit was saying. And this isn't a comprehensive word. This is a general word. And if you're a pastor and a leader and you're hearing this and this doesn't apply to you, then don't take it. But if the shoe fits, put the shoe on. And he's showing me this. And the, and the iceberg is global trial and persecution. Folks, God is incredibly serious about his son Jesus being the center of his people. Our priority must be him and making disciples, not building brands or buildings or attendance or a reputation. God, in his kindness and mercy, has a grievance with the church here in America, who largely has used his name to build their own kingdoms, forsaking much of what he's commanded us as a church and as believers to do. He wants the best for us and the lost, and many of us have outright failed, especially those he's called to lead. Now look, if this doesn't apply to you, don't worry about it. Don't get offended. But we must examine ourselves and our ministries because there's a possibility, especially in this day and age, we're just spinning our wheels and ultimately a sinking ship. This is the prophetic warning given to Adam Welch. And based on my experience to date, I believe it with all my heart. It's a message we must hear and heed. If you want to know more about what it means to be saved, what it means to be a disciple, what it means to know your Creator and be known by Him, what it means to confess your sin and be forgiven, what it means to live for all eternity in a kingdom that will have no end, I implore you, contact me or any other Bible-believing Christian. There's nothing more important than your salvation. It has eternal significance. All right, folks, that is our show for you today. Don't forget to check out more B-Block for Adam Welch's entire interview. And while you can always watch the show on YouTube, Vimeo, Gab TV, and Odyssey, and listen to it on Anchor.fm and Spotify, should any of those platforms remove the show, you can always watch it on our main website, kcn.dakeep.com. 
Thanks again for watching, everyone. I'm Jamie Kiever. We'll see you next week.